Well, it's been a great morning already, hasn't it? And uh, once again, if you're visiting us today, we just want to welcome you. Um, people aren't leaving because it's the end of the service, by the way. Um, it's time for ignition. That's our year sevens and year eights to go out to their uh, special time together today. Uh, whilst we grow ups, we stay in here. And uh, it's my delight and my pleasure to, to bring um, a message to you today that I hope is going to um, touch your lives, that I hope God's going to speak to you through the words that I say. And if you've got your Bibles with you, you can turn to Deuteronomy. That's in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, chapter 31 and verse 6. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. And the message that I want to share with you today is called this, He will never leave you. Anyone happy about that? (laughs) He will never leave you. So... Last Sunday, oh, before I carry on, I must mention, I don't know if Sean mentioned this earlier or not, but we have a worship night tonight at the Empower Center, 6.30, at the Empower Center, just down the road, Kingston Road, um, and we'd love you to be with us tonight. Um, come, there's no agenda, we just gather and we worship and we're going to pray and we're going to meet with God um, in the Empower Center this evening. So please be there if you can, because we just have amazing times in God's presence on a Sunday night. So 6.30 tonight. Okay. Now, Pastor Micah, last Sunday, he was visiting from Alabama, USA. And any Americans here? Come on, Celeste. I knew there was at least one. I couldn't see where she was. She's behind there somewhere. Either someone just pinched her bum or she's excited about being American. (laughs) I think she's excited about being American. Okay, good. Um, so, <laughs> last week, Pastor Micah, um, didn't he share an, a brilliant word? Wasn't it just brilliant? Um, what he said about the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago when the disciples, the believers, in, they were gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem and they were praying and they, <laughs> hello Celeste, um, and uh, And they were just doing what Jesus said to them to do. So remember, Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead on the third day. Forty days, people saw him in uh, in and around the Jerusalem area, all over the place. He was seen. Um, He had risen from the dead. He uh, He proved that there is life beyond the grave. And then he said to his disciples, go and gather in this room in Jerusalem, pray, and uh, you're going to... meet with with me in in a new way by the Holy Spirit. And so for 10 days they were gathered in this room and uh, then on the day of Pentecost uh, the Holy Spirit came. God, the Holy Spirit came and absolutely smashed them to bits. He, He filled them with his power. God filled them with his power, with his life and they were not the same again. And that was the fulfillment of the very first day of Pentecost that happened many, many hundreds of years before when God gave the law to his people. This is what Micah was talking about last week. And when God gave the law to his people through Moses on Mount Sinai, um, these laws were written on tablets of stone. And so these laws were simply rules. They were God's 
they were God's expectations of his people um, in order to live as God's set-apart people. These laws would keep them safe. They would give them um, prosperity. These laws would keep the people of God in good order, the Israelites in good order. But the problem was these laws were just written on tablets of stone. Um, they, they were rules that the people um, felt that they had to follow rather than desires in their hearts. And that was because they still had a nature of sin. Um, they, they, they were God's people, but th- that sin was still a big issue because sin hadn't been paid for by the ultimate sacrifice, which would eventually be Jesus. But when Jesus died on the cross, he took sin. He took everything that once separated us from God, the very nature of that thing. Jesus took it and, and, and he paid the price for the sin of humanity so that we could then be made right with God. And it's as simple as that. You believe in Jesus, you're made right with God. All your sin has gone. But not only that, your sin nature has been dealt with. Because the Holy Spirit, when you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, comes by his Spirit and he gives you a new heart. And and for us, when you believe in Jesus, all those rules, they suddenly fill your heart. Because your nature has now changed. You you no longer have the nature. It's no longer natural to sin. But you now have a nature that is holy. That says, God, I want to do things your way. Because God calls you his children. And God's children are holy people. And and so there's desires in your heart now. It's your heart's natural way to go to live for God. And not to live in the ways of this world and in the ways of sin. Isn't that awesome? That God doesn't just save us from our sin, forgive us of our sin, but he delivers us from it. He says, you don't have to live that way anymore. I'm going to change your heart. So there is a desire now in your heart by my spirit to live my way. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The disciples were so consumed with the presence of God. With the, the Holy Spirit did such a deep work in their hearts that no longer did they have that sin nature anymore. But they wanted to live uh, for God. And this transformation is incredible, isn't it? That we have undergone this transformation. And God wants us to walk in the power of that transformation every day. He wants, God wants to empower us to be people who are different to this world. He wants us to stand out as his people. Do you know that today? God wants you to stand out in this world. Anyone with me? You know that? God wants you to be a light in this world. He wants you to stand out. He wants you to live differently. And I want to say to you, it's okay to live differently. In fact, it's a really good thing to live differently, to have different values, and for your heart to be consumed with the things of God. It's really good to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his ways of doing things, because as you do that, you will find that God's got the rest covered. He's got it covered. He's for you. He loves you. And he will, everything you need, it says that he will provide for you. So he wants you to be different. He wants us to be people who walk as Jesus did. Uh, And the best way to describe the character of Jesus is found in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is love. Jesus walked with this Love that superseded all the hatred in the world around him. This joy that overcame all the oppression and, and depression in the world around him. He walked with this peace that, that people could not understand. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Jesus walked with this character. And, and God says to us today, I want you to walk this way as well. Because I want you to stand out in this world. Amen? I want you to stand out in this world. I want these, these, this fruit to be displayed in your life as you walk through this world. This is the character of Christ, and I want you to be those people. And so we immediately go down to our rule book and say, okay, so it says we've got to be patient. Right, I'll try and do that. No. Lay your life down before God and ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill your life and consume you in such a way that that doesn't come from you, but that comes from this this new nature that God has given you. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we walk in the ways of God. Amen? It's not by our might, not by our power, not by our wisdom, but it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we walk in the ways of God. All we have to do is lay our lives down, is yield, is say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need you. Amen? God wants that way of living to flow into every area of our lives. He wants us to stand out when it comes to the way that we interact with our family and our friends, the way that we do education, the way that we work. God wants us to be different in the way that we interact with society around us. God wants us to be people that bring the good news of his kingdom, the good news of Jesus, to the world around us. The good news that means that people no longer have to be separated from God in this life or for eternity. The good news that brings them into a relationship with God where they begin to experience freedom in their lives and healing and wholeness in this life now, not just when we step into heaven, when we experience the fullness of freedom and the fullness of healing and the fullness of of wholeness. And God wants to so work in your life. He wants you to so work in your life that those things are, are displayed in your life even now. But it's not by what you can do. It's by what the Holy Spirit does in you. We've got to learn to yield to the Holy Spirit. You know what yield means? It means to just stop and and let go. To stop and let go. So it takes a humble heart to do that, doesn't it? You know, if you're full of pride, God can't work in your life. But when you lay your life down, when when you say, God, I humble my heart before you. I know that I can't do this on my own. I need you. Then God can really work in your life. So the only way to live big for God, the only way to really stand out in this world is to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to have a life-changing encounter with the the Spirit of God. As the disciples did in Acts chapter 2, they had a life-changing encounter with God, and they were never the same again. And I am so glad to say that at the age of 10, and then at the age of 16, 17, I just had encounter after encounter with the presence of God, to the extent that I just knew. I just knew that, that... God's hand was on my life, and, and, and I, I, there was no turning back. For me, there was no turning back at that point. And I know people do turn away from God, even when they've had that encounter. But, you know, if you are sitting in a chair in this room today, you're here for a purpose. And God wants you to know him. He wants you to know his presence in your life. He wants you to encounter him in such a way that there's, that's it. The door's closed to the old. I'm moving forward now. Amen? 
So the good news is that God is waiting. In fact, he is desiring to fill your life with his Holy Spirit in that way. All you have to do is ask. You have not because you ask not. That's a passage in James. God promises that he will never leave you and never forsake you. This is the promise that he made to Joshua. When Joshua um, became the leader of the Israelites after Moses, um, he had a huge task on his hand. And one of his, the first task was to take God's people into the promised land, something that hadn't happened 40 years before, and they were wandering the wilderness. And now it's time for God's people to move into the land that God had promised them. So this was Joshua's task. And he was a young leader, and he was probably pretty nervous about his task. But this is what God said to him in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. I know that you've all turned there already, absolutely ages ago. But it says in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, be strong. This is God speaking to Joshua. In fact, this is Moses speaking to Joshua, the word of God. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God He is the one who goes before you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Did you hear me? This is what God said to Joshua, but this is repeated in Hebrews 13 verse 5 to us as well. This is our promise as well. God has come into your life by his Holy Spirit. And if this is your first day in church, if this is your first moment of encountering God's presence, then God wants to come into your life by his Holy Spirit, and he promises that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Isn't that an amazing promise? It's probably my favorite promise of God to me, that he will never leave me and never forsake me. You know, people forsake us, don't they? When you face a battle, suddenly you look around and, where is everyone? I thought we were in this together. Well, God says to you today, I will not forsake you. I am with you. I am with you. And when you're walking down that path into, you know, the, going the way that you believe is the right way to go. And, and, and gradually, maybe people drift off. But God says to you, I am with you. I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. Isn't that good news? I am so glad that that's God's promise to me and to you today. Um, so there's just four occasions that I want to talk about when we need to remember that God is with us. Four occasions. Everyone hold up four fingers. Okay, four occasions, and they all start with T. The first one is in temptation. God promises that he will never leave us in the midst of temptation. The second one is tension. God promises that he will never leave us in the midst of tension. The third occasion when we need to remember that God is with us is in the midst of tension. Triumph. I changed the order of them. That's why I was looking. Triumph. Temptation, tension, triumph, and in tragedy. God promises he will never leave us nor forsake us in tragedy. So let's look at temptation. Everyone okay? Okay, we're going on a little journey now together. Four things. So you know when I'm coming to the end. But don't leave until the end please. Temptation. So God is very clear about what is right and wrong for us. 
we understand that. The Bible provides us with very clear instructions about how to live as God's people. And God's given us these instructions to protect us from evil and from harm. That's why God has given us these laws that are now uh, just so deep in our hearts that we, we want to live God's way. Um, these laws, as Paula said earlier, they're given to, get, to keep us on a good and a safe path. The enemy comes to steal. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus came to give abundant life. And that's the plan of God for your life. Don't ever doubt that. Don't ever think that God is the destroyer. Don't ever think that God is the one who steals or kills or destroys. Don't ever think that that God is a mean, nasty God. That is not who God is. He is faithful. He is good. He is kind. He is gentle. He He is absolutely perfect in every way. He is a loving father who is better than any father that anyone could ever encounter in this world. He loves you. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he is for you. And we have to establish that in our hearts if we're going to have a good and strong relationship with God. Now, so that's why God has given us these, these laws, these, this, this way of living that is very clear in Scripture. Now, the world has different, very different values to us, doesn't it? As Christians, the world has very different values. Anyone know that? Okay, it's good to know that. Um, We have to negotiate our way through this world, endeavouring to stay on God's path for our lives. And that can be tricky, especially when you're a teenager or a young adult. And you're still learning who you are and you're still learning about your relationship with God. It can be really tricky to negotiate your way through this world and keep good values in your heart and live a godly way. That can be tricky, but it's possible. It's not easy. But it's possible. And God hasn't called us to judge the world, by the way. Anyone know that? He hasn't called us to judge the world as we go along our path of righteousness. Or you're wrong. You're wrong. You're bad. You're doing evil things. No, God's not called us to do that. He's simply called us to live differently. Because I believe that as we live differently, as we live in the ways of God, that will draw people to us and draw people to that path that clearly is leading to abundant life. That clearly is a good path to walk on. So rather than us going over there and saying, you're really bad, why don't we stay on this path and say, come and join us. Come and, come and walk with us. Because this is a great path to take. Um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't go into the field. What I'm saying is when we go into the field, we know who we are. We know who we are. and We know what we stand for. Amen. So, when we face temptation, the key to taking God's path is to remember that He is with us. By His Spirit, God is with us. He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. So, what should we do? We should ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. To come and fill us with His strength to overcome. When you face temptation, when you face opportunities to, go, to veer off the path that you know God has for you, that to veer off of the path that God says, this is the good path, stay on it, and, and uh, this is my way. And when you face those temptations, the very best thing we can do is say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with your power. Overwhelm me with your power that enables me to overcome every temptation. And guess what? God will always answer your prayer. He will always come and help you in those times. You'll be led away from the temptation and delivered from the evil one. Jesus taught his disciples to pray. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And that's what happens when you, when you turn your eyes to God and say, God, help me. God comes in his power. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says the temptations, 1 Corinthians 10, oh, there it is, says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is, I think we need to say that a bit louder, and God is, he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. And when you take God's path, in the midst of temptations, you will turn heads. I want to turn heads. I want people to look at my life and say, wow, that is a better way to live. That is the way I want to go. Amen? Second thing, tension. So this is an occasion when we need to know that God is with us in the midst of tension. Living in this world is not easy, right? This world is literally full of stress and striving and tension and toil. Stress comes in many different ways. Stress comes due to situations with, with family, with friends, with colleagues, with people in your world. Stress comes due to conflict with people. Conflict can be so hard to negotiate sometimes. Stress comes to busyness, uh, due to busyness or workload sometimes. Anyone been there when you're just like, there is so much going on right now. I don't know how I'm going to cope. Stress comes due to lack, perhaps lack of finance, perhaps lack of ability to give your family what you you feel they need. Stress can come due to lack, can't it? Stress can come due to ill health. Ill health can cause stress in your life, but also stress can lead to ill health. Stress can lead to physical ill health. It can lead to emotional and mental ill health. Stress can. And so we need to be able to to handle stress. Um, And it's important to recognize that that being in a stressful situation isn't a wrong thing. But it's what you do with it that's really, really important. Um, Important to recognize when there is stress in your life and not just to ignore it. That's why it's good to have good people around you. You know, when I'm tired or stressed, one of the best indicators is, is my wife, who will tell me, Stuart, you're being really grumpy, or, which is very rare, um, I have to say. <laughs> or, Stu, or Lola even, Daddy, why are you being grumpy today? <laughs> and you know what, I don't want to be that person. I, I, I don't want stress to affect me in such a way that it affects those around me. And, and, and that's, that's hard. But, um, you know, even when you haven't got people in your life that can say that there is one that you can come to any time who is ready to help you, and that is Jesus. And I just think of the disciples in the boat when they were in this very stressful situation going through the storm. What did they do? They turned to Jesus. They went into the, the bottom of the boat where they found Jesus asleep with his head on a pillow. I've said before, I didn't even know they had pillows in those days. Um, but Jesus was asleep in the bottom of the boat with his head on a pillow. He was at rest. And, and so they, they went to Jesus. And, and they then received the rest that he had. Um, and he calmed the wind and the waves. And the storm died down. And, and, and peace came to their lives. 
And, and I really believe that the very best thing that we can do is talk to someone when you're in a situation of stress or tension or toil or striving in your life and talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Make sure you come to Jesus because he brings rest. He brings rest to your soul. Amen? And uh, it's not a lack of faith or a failure to go through stress, but you can be delivered it, from it by coming to Jesus because he will never leave you nor forsake you. So ask the Holy Spirit to come in your life, into your life in those moments, to fill you with a peace that washes away the stress and the striving. The Holy Spirit fills you with a peace that washes away the tension and the toil. Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7 says this, don't worry about, instead pray about, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So as the Holy Spirit is given permission to work in your life by you, you will walk in a peace that just doesn't make sense, naturally speaking, and to the world around you. And that will turn heads. People will look at you and say, wow, there's something different about this person. I want to know what they have that I don't have. And I just want to read this verse. It's kind of like a side, a side verse, but I want to read it because I really believe this is going to speak to someone. Jeremiah 1 verse 19. If you're in the middle of a battle right now in your life, don't know what that looks like. might be a more spiritual thing. It might be a, just a, a battle, a conflict that's going on in your life. And it says, Jeremiah 1 verse 19, it says, They will fight you, but they will fail. For I am with you, and I will take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Ah, can you hear what God's saying? Can you hear the heart of God in those words? I'm with you and I will take care of you. I will fight for you. Third occasion when we need to remember the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the power of knowing God's presence in our lives is in triumph. When you have times of triumph, when you experience victory in life, when you have great success, remember that any triumph, any victory, any success ultimately comes from God. Remember to give God credit. We're God's people. And the moment you step into relationship with God, you become God's. And so everything in terms of your success and your victory and your triumph in your life, God must get the credit. People in this world are quick to take the credit, aren't they? It was all my hard work. It was my wise investment. It was my ability to make the right choices, to move in the right circles. It was my great intelligence that got me here. And I am not putting aside any of those things. I really believe that it's important to use what God's given us. And, and, and you know, a man's gift makes way for him. It opens doors for people. All of those things are really good. But at the end of the day, all credit has to go to God. See, that's the world's way of doing things, and God is not in the picture. But this is what God said to his people, the Israelites, in Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. He said, remember the Lord your God. 
He is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. So he's talking to his people Israel, to the Jewish people, and he's saying, because of my covenant with you, because of my plans for your life, I give you power to be successful. Another version says, I give you the power to gain wealth. And, and at the end of the day, that's what God says to you as well. You've stepped into his plans for your life. And so God says to you, remember me because it's me that gives you power to be successful, whatever that looks like. And I think success in God is probably very different to, to what success looks like in the world anyway. Um, as Christians, we understand that God is working behind the scenes of our lives for our good. Romans 8.28 talks about that. How God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So any victory that we experience is because God never leaves us and never forsakes us and is fighting for us. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4 says, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. I love that. Again, he's fighting for us. We need to remember that. So ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill your life. Humble your heart. Say, God, I know that you've given me all these giftings and all this intelligence, and I thank you for it, but at the end of the day, I give you credit. I choose to glorify you because of the success that I'm experiencing. So ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you with the power and the wisdom of God, reminding you that God is all-powerful, that God is all-wise. And when people see God getting the glory in your life for all of your success, it will turn heads. People will say, I want to live like that. I want to live like that because there is something different. There is something special about that person. And the last occasion when we need to remember that God is with us and that's God fighting for us is in tragedy. When people experience tragedy, it's often their coping mechanism to hide away and to push people away. Um, and as a pastor, I've seen it um, time and time again. It is, is the very natural thing to do, to hide away, to push people away, to just want to be alone, and I completely understand that. Um, but actually, that can also do a lot of damage. Um, and the, the one person that is really important that we don't push away is God, is God. He loves you. Again, we've got to remember that he loves you and that his arms are wide open to you and he has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. And it says that in Psalm 23 verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the key to not being overwhelmed by fear the key to making it through the valley, and again, it's not wrong or a failure to be in the valley, but the key to making it through the valley and coming out the other end, or out the other side, 
is remembering that God will never leave you nor forsake you and drawing on his presence and asking God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Asking him to come and and just be present with you in those times of of mourning and grief. Um, Run into his arms. And I don't know where you're at right now. I don't know where people are at in terms of tragedy in your life, but I do know that everyone at some point will experience some kind of tragedy. And, and it's immeasurable. It's, you can't measure one against the other. Whatever you are experiencing, whatever you are going through, whatever dark valley you feel like you're in, I want you to know today that God is the God who will never leave you and never forsake you. So ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Ask him to fill you with his comfort and ask him to fill you with his hope. It says in Micah 7 verse 8, and this is, like, this is one of my go-tos. Micah 7 verse 8 says, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Come on. You know, we're not immune from sitting in darkness and we're not immune from falling. But one thing I will tell you is that God reaches out and he says, come on, let me help you up to your feet. Let me help you up again. Let me help you find light in your dark situation again. And the the, the only thing that we can really do there is, is say, okay, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to take hold of your hand. I'm going to let you help me. I'm going to let you help me. I'm going to let you come in. Praise God. So, and when you get back after tragedy, back up after tragedy, and when you walk with an unclogged heart that is free from bitterness, you will turn heads. People will look at you and they will say, what is it about this person? They've been through this. Why isn't their heart bitter and twisted? Why aren't they still just in the mud and the mire? And it's because you got hold of God. You got hold of God in that situation. Praise God. And that will turn heads. I want to pray for all of you in just a moment. Um, if you can relate to any of these four things that I've spoken about. Um, needing God in the midst of temptation, needing Him in the midst of tension, needing Him in the midst of triumph, and needing Him in the midst of tragedy. But before I do that, um, I just want to ask if there's anyone here today, um, and you've sat through this time here, in this big gathering of people in this hot, sweaty sports hall today, um, and you've heard what we've had to say about Jesus. And you've heard us talk about how God wants to be the God that never leaves you nor forsakes you. And, and your heart just says, yeah, I want that. I want to know God. I want to have a relationship with God. And you've heard how Jesus made it possible for you to have a relationship with God because Jesus took your sin upon himself on the cross. Everything that once separated you, all the mess, all the muck, all the dirt, all the filthiness, everything that you've ever felt guilty about, Jesus took it upon himself on the cross because God chooses to forgive you because Jesus took your sin. He paid the punishment and because Jesus took the punishment, sin is paid for. And so now you come before God having put your faith in Jesus, and you're right in his sight. In fact, you're not just right. When God looks at you, you're perfect. You're holy before God because of what Jesus did. 
which means that you now can have a relationship with holy God. You can have a relationship with the God who is pure and perfect and holy in every way. And you can come before him knowing that his arms are wide open to you. I, I just, I'm so grateful to God. I am so grateful to God. So let's pray. Let's just pray a prayer together. And please pray this from your heart. If you've not prayed a prayer like this before, this is a prayer of introduction to God. This is a prayer where you say, God, I want to be your friend. I want to know you. So let's bow our heads and say, Dear Father, I accept that I cannot live up to your perfect standard and I repent of my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I believe that you forgive me and you make all things new. I surrender to you and I want to take your path for my life. So please fill me with your spirit and empower me to live a life that honors you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Please just keep your heads bowed just for a moment. If you prayed that prayer today, perhaps for the first time, or maybe today you are coming back to God, then please would you do one more thing. Just raise your hand. Wherever you are, raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to walk with him. I want to take his path for my life. Anyone in this room today? Thank you. That's awesome. Anyone else here? Thank you so much. Praise God. God sees you. He loves you. He knows you. Anyone else today? This is your moment to say, God, that's it. I'm drawing a line. There's no turning back. I'm moving forward in my relationship with you. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Praise God. Okay, let's lift our heads. And, um, would you just stand with me this morning as we just close? Because I just want to pray for you all. So if you can just stay in your seats just for a few moments as we pray, I'd appreciate that. Because um, it's really important that we, we kind of just... Again, just close this off properly today. And so I just want to pray that you would know the presence of God in your life, that you would know the power of God in your life in all of those situations. So just whatever you relate to, just just make this your prayer today. Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Lord, that you promise that you never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you, Lord, that in the midst of temptation, Lord, you understand Jesus, you understand the temptation that we have in this world. You weren't immune to it, but you overcame it. And I pray, Lord, that we would just draw on the power of your Holy Spirit to overcome temptation. Lord, whoever is battling, whoever's battling in this place, even now, Lord, whoever knows, Lord, that they they can do better, that they can make better choices concerning certain things in their lives. God, I thank you. Lord, that you you bring the power to overcome into our lives. And Lord, not just now, but every day, Lord, I pray that we will be filled with your Spirit. Lord, for those who are going through times of tension, stress and striving and toil, Holy Spirit, come and bring peace that passes understanding. Peace that passes understanding. Into my brother, into my sister's life right now, your peace that passes understanding.
Thank you, God, that by your Spirit, Lord, those who are in in times of triumph in their lives, just enjoying a a season of success, a time of triumph, a victory, I thank you, Lord, that you would fill us with your Spirit and cause our hearts and our eyes to be turned to you in these moments where we say, God, it's all about you. You deserve the glory. You get the credit, God. You get the credit. Just be so real to us in those moments. May we not forget you in those moments of success. And I pray, Lord, today, Lord, that for every person who has experienced or is walking through a time of tragedy, Lord, who finds themselves pulled into that valley of despair and and darkness at times, Father, I thank you. Lord, you're the God that never leaves us. Even in the midst of the valley, Lord, you never leave us. But you're also the God that reaches out, reaches out and helps us to step out of that valley, helps us to walk into your light out of that dark place. And I thank you, Lord, that in every single life today, Lord, you are moving and you are working and we don't want to forget you. Lord, we don't want to forget that your promise to us is that you never leave us and never forsake us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise God.